following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts. Parents should be ready to cover their ears. Since March 2007, one online audio production group has pushed the boundaries. Broken Sea Audio Productions presents Maudlin. It's sounding board. Audio drama with lumpy bits. You have been listening to Jake Sampson. Broken Sea Audio Productions presents. My name is Feedback, and these are my stories. Last time on Gaia's Voyages. This is the Broken Sea Audio production of Escape from New York. OTR Swagcast. Doctor Who. Starring Mark Kalita as the Doctor. BrokenSea.com. And now, it's time for the Broken Sea Audio Production. OTR Swag Cast. Welcome back to the Swagcast. This is Bill Holwig, live here in West Texas. And it's been a while since we had a bunch of swag. So I just got into the mood to... Take a break from mixing Beneath the Planet of the Apes and 2109 pretty much at the same time and decided that it was time to do some OTR Swagcast. Well, that, that's great. Anyway, I'm just going to focus on one of my favorite episodes of a South African radio series based on the television series, The Avengers. Yes, I'm going to play my favorite one from Venus with Love all the way through. Hope y'all enjoy. I may throw on a special thing or two at the end. Anyway, here's a little info on the Avengers radio series. It was transmitted between 6 December 1971 and 28 December 1973 on Springbok Radio, the English language service of the South African Broadcasting Corporation. It was recorded at Sonovision Studios in Johannesburg, produced by Dave Gooden. The original TV scripts were adapted and directed by Tony Jay for the first six months and Dennis Fulbig for the remainder. South Africa did not have a national television until 1976. The episodes were adapted from both Emma Peel and Tara King episodes. The Tara King character changed to Emma Peel throughout. Gotta love Emma. Anyway... The Avengers were played by two British expatriate actors, Donald Monad as Steed and Diane Appleby as Mrs. Peel, with Hugh Rouse as the tongue-in-cheek narrator. Love that dude. The stories were adapted into five-episode serials under Tony Jay and six- and seven-episode serials under Dennis Fulbig of approximately 15 minutes each, including advertisement. 
and stripped across the week, Monday through Friday, on Springbok Radio. Currently, only 19 complete serials survive, all from reel-to-reel off-air recordings made by John Wright in 72. And there are a few bits and pieces of some other ones. Anyway, like I said, tonight we're going to feature my favorite one from Venus with Love. But before that, is that a phone I hear? Right on cue. Let me let you hear it from Donald. Enjoy! Hello, and greetings to all fans of the Avengers. I'm Donald Monat, and I had the pleasure of playing John Steed in the radio series produced in the early 1970s. It was a wonderful time for those of us who really enjoy the medium of radio drama, where your mind is free to conjure up all the exciting images of your own design and imagination. Each week, usually on a Thursday afternoon, the cast would get together at Sonovision Studios in Johannesburg to record a new Avengers story, which would normally be broadcast in five daily episodes from Monday to Friday. There would be perhaps seven or eight of us playing as many as 20 different characters, and we would also create the live sound effects such as footsteps, doors opening and closing, and even the body blows and the fight sequences. Most of us had never seen the scripts until we walked into the studio, but within three to four hours, five new action-packed episodes were on tape and, after some brief editing, ready to take the air. These recordings have certainly brought back some delightful memories to me. I hope you'll enjoy them, too. Now, from the makers of Coldwater Omo... In the clear night sky, the planet Venus glowed warmly. The observatory was hot. Ernest Cosgrove, seated in his shirt sleeves before the large telescope, paused in his work to wipe his brow with a clean handkerchief. In his early twenties, with a mop of black hair falling into his eyes, he had an expression of keen concentration on his lean face. He made a couple of notes on a pad and chewed reflectively on a half-finished beef sandwich. Returning to his work, he adjusted the focus of the camera attachment and pressed the button. Hmm, that should do it. It's hot. On the tray, next to the plate with the sandwich, was a glass of beer, two-thirds full. A heavy froth clung to the sides of the glass. The bubbles in the beer kept rising. Cosgrove, intent upon his work, hardly noticed the strange noise that began to fill the room. He reached out for the beer glass, touched it, and reacted with a sharp cry of pain. The liquid in the glass was boiling. The reverberating sound became louder. Cosgrove stared at the glass incredulously. There was a sudden sharp explosion. Cosgrove was knocked from his chair. He lay sprawled in a crumpled heap under the telescope. His black hair had quite suddenly turned snowy white. The Avengers. John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers.
Episode one of this story, in which John Steed and Emma Peel start seeing stars and find that some amateur astronomers are getting invitations from Venus with love. John Steed and Emma Peel were celebrating, celebrating having nothing at all to do. It was a very welcome change, and one that they both knew wouldn't last all that long. They'd dined in the country, and returning to town on this very hot night, they'd found a pleasant spot on a roof garden restaurant for a final nightcap. Splendid night, Steve. Starry, Mrs. Beale, starry. I was uh, meaning the evening's entertainment. Well, with you, Mrs. Beale, it's starry. Thank you. Another glass of wine? Oh, I don't think so, thank you. Just how long will this last? Usually until morning. Trouble's bound to crop up sooner or later. It always does. I'd prefer it to be later. Look, a shooting star. See it? They always seem to get away from me. Sure it wasn't imagination? No. It was a meteorite, all right. Well, life is filled with unidentified objects. <coughs> Mr. Steed. And you're not one of them, Steed. Telephone call for you, Mr. Steed. How the devil could anyone know that I'm here? Well, they must know your horns. you better take it. It doesn't have to be trouble. But of course it was. It was Mother. And a request that Steed stopped stargazing with Mrs. Peel and hurry over to Cosgrove's observatory. Nothing had been touched except that the body of Ernest Cosgrove had been delicately covered with a sheet. Steed turned the corner back with the end of his umbrella. Hmm. That's young Cosgrove, all right. Did he trip or was he pushed? Neither, it seems. Not a mark on him. Was he important? Up and coming, according to Mother. Worked in the war ministry. One of the brighter young lads. Young? With snow-white hair? He looks about... About 60. Not, though. Half that age. Any idea what he was working on? Stargazing in general. And from these notes, observing Venus in particular. Seem to have been photographing the planet. Here, look. Hmm. They're fogged. Yeah, so am I at the moment. A young man in the war ministry takes up astronomy. Dies with no apparent signs of violence and his hair goes white. What's this? Venus, our sister planet. And written inside, Sir Frederick Hadley. Well, I suppose he'd better be our next step. Very curious death, Steed, as you say. Is there anyone like this? So far, Mrs. Peel. So far. It didn't take long to trace the home of Sir Frederick Hadley. He wasn't in bed. In fact, he was sitting in his study. A room that reflected a man of means. A mass of books, charts and diagrams covered the floor and the walls. From the open window poked the head of a telescope. Sir Frederick accepted the telephone call from Steed, assured him that he would be available for an interview at any time, and returned to his work. He focused the telescope on Venus and pressed the button marked automatic. The camera started clicking. Sir Frederick hummed softly to himself and poured out a whiskey and soda. At that moment, John Steed and Emma Peel arrived. Sir Frederick reached out a hand and released the door catch, saying into the speaker, Come in. Find your own way up. Not bothering to get to his feet, he reached out for his whiskey. The glass was burning hot, the liquid boiling. He let it go with a yell. Ah! 
The room seemed suddenly filled with noise. Just too late, Steed. Too late, Mrs. Peel. Dead? At least we know the exact time. A matter of seconds ago, we both heard his voice telling us to come in. I also heard something else. Curious sort of whining noise. Unusual sound. Almost like something from outer space. Has Sir Frederick always had white hair? Can't say. Manner of death is identical to Cosgrove's. We know there must have been a connection between them. They're both keen astronomers. Mrs. Peel moved over to the telescope and peered through it. Both had their eyes on Venus, too. Both filming at the same time, the time of death. Think we might take that roll of film and have it developed. Hmm. You think it might show some bug-eyed monster in a flying saucer? Well, whatever he was looking at shouldn't have frightened him to death. From the little I know of Hadley, he was a remarkably tough business tycoon. Steed and Mrs. Peel made a thorough search of the study. He seems to have strange pen friends. Oh? This letter. Dear Freddy, had a message from Venus. Next meeting, Friday the 13th. Ominous? Is it signed? Yes, Bert. And a card. Bert Smith, chimney sweep. 24-hour service, anytime, anywhere. 11 Hembridge Road, London. Anytime, anywhere. Well, that gives you a nice task in the morning, doesn't it, Mrs. Peel? Hmm. I'll tidy up in here and get the films developed. You find out where Mr. Smith is sweeping and what he knows about that message from Venus. There's got to be a connection somewhere along the line. Mrs. Peel found that Bert Smith was working at a house in the country. A large house with many large chimneys. The owner was out, wisely leaving everything covered with dust sheets. Mr. Smith turned out to be a happy chimney sweep. Sweet all your Mr. Smith! Hello there! Mr. Smith! Hello there! Mr. Smith's begrimed face appeared from under a plastic sheet which covered the open grate. Anyone call? He made a full entrance into the room with a cloud of soot. <coughs> oh, good morning. I was looking for Bert Smith. Oh, then look no further, dear lady, for I am he. Mr. Smith doffed a filthy old cap with an elegant flourish. I don't believe I've had the pleasure. Peel, Mrs. Emma Peel. How do you do? Mr. Smith extended a grimy hand, then withdrew it apologetically. Oh, pardon me, ma'am. And wiped it with a brush from his pocket. They shook hands. You appear to be somewhat startled. I am rather Frankly, when I read your card, I didn't expect ah, it. Ah, gentlemen. <laughs> it's the name that fooled you, Bert Smith? <laughs> well, actually, see, it's Bertram Fortescue Winthrop Smythe, to be absolutely correct. I had to change it, of course. Of course. Oh, firstly, it was far too long to print on the card. Just didn't go on. And more important, such a name is a, a terrible disadvantage in this business. Oh. Of course. <laughs> Who ever heard of anyone having their chimney swept by a... Fortescue Winthrop Smythe. Oh, indeed. It's sheer prejudice, Mrs. Beale. They'll have me in for cocktails, but if I ever go near their chimneys... You're out? Ostracized. Social death. Quite. Terribly unfair, too. After all, sweeping chimneys is all I'm fitted for. It's the only thing I know. Fact and family tradition. Man and boy, we've been chasing up chimneys since William the Conqueror. Sir Matthew Fortescue Winthrop Smythe was actually knighted for services rendered to Queen Anne's flu. But, dally on, <laughs> dear lady, how ill-mannered of me. I, I didn't ask your business here. Is it a maladjusted smokestack? I hope not. A bothersome burner, perhaps? 
actually, it's uh, Frederick Hadley. Old Freddie Hudders, ah, <laughs> you're a friend of his. I've met him in more of a professional capacity. Professional? Ah, oh, then you must be interested in astronomy. How perfectly marvellous. Then we are in sympathy. We are? I mean, we are. Well, naturally. Astronomy is my second love. After chimneys, of course. But the two things go hand in hand, really. After all, in my position, sweeping chimneys, the thing I see most of is the sky. Glinting away at the top of a brick stack, a long flue or a triple stack. Tiny patch of sky up there. What's more natural than that I should become interested in astronomy? Oh, it had to happen. Are you going to become a member of the BVS? BVS? We all are, you know, all the enthusiasts. It reminds me, I'll probably be on watching duty tonight. Watching what? Venus, of course. Uh, for the BVS. The British Venusian Society. Oh, dear lady, I insist that you join. And it'll change your whole life. You'll never be the same again. Careful, Mrs. Peel. You could end up with white hair, too. of Coldwater Omo. John Steed. Ah, Steed. Found you at home. Good. Morning, Mrs. Beale. And what are you up to this bright morning? Learning all about how to sweep chimneys. Useful hobby. My teacher is Bert Smith. He's a member of the British Venusian Society. The, the what? The British Venusian Society. Gosgrove and Hadley were both members. Bert Smith says I've got to join. Members do some sort of nightly watch. Ah. How about the film from Sir Frederick's telescope camera? Been developing them. They are going to make most peculiar prints. The negative looks like a fireball charging in from outer space. Well, can't you enlarge it up and see? Mrs. Peel? Mrs. Peel, what is it? What is it, Mrs. Peel? The Avengers. John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers. Episode 2 of this story, in which Emma Peel goes off on a wild goose chase, and John Steed gets an offer. From Venus, with love. 
John Steed and Emma Peel had investigated the curious death of Ernest Cosgrove, a young man who was also interested in astronomy. Cosgrove had been found dead in his observatory, lying under the telescope, with his hair turned snow white. Later, Steed and Mrs. Peel had arrived at the home of Sir Frederick Hadley, just too late to prevent him dying in an identical fashion. The next morning, Mrs. Peel followed up on a clue that led her to Mr. Bertram Fortescue Winthrop Smythe, otherwise known as Bert Smith, chimney sweep. She was telephoning Steed from the hallway of the country house where Bert Smith was working on the chimneys when she heard a strange sound from the other room. I don't know, Steed. Some sort of terrible noise. Like that outer space stuff we heard. Ah! Hold on. Mrs. Peel threw down the telephone and ran into the room where Bert Smith was sweeping the chimney. He wasn't. He was lying in the open grate among the dust sheets, his brushes and poles scattered over the room. He was dead, all right. And from under the rim of his cloth cap appeared a wisp of white hair. The soot which had fallen from the chimney covered his body like snow. Mrs. Peel gazed down at him in utter bewilderment. Then she heard it, the strange sound that seemed to be coming from the sky outside. Mrs. Peel ran to the window. There, at the entrance to the driveway, was a bright light moving away. Get after it, Mrs. Peel. on the open road, Mrs. Peel was able to put on some speed. There was no traffic about, luckily, and the car responded like a rocket. The bright object ahead seemed partly obscured in the dust. Mrs. Peel swung after it down a lane. A blinding light reflected back onto Mrs. Peel's windscreen. It glared straight into her eyes, dazzling, searing. She couldn't see. It was as though she was driving into an enormous ball of fire. She couldn't control the car. Some minutes later, Mrs. Peel, hands shielding her eyes, crawled out of her car. She gazed across the fields. There, in the next meadow, a man appeared to be on fire. It was a scarecrow ablaze. Of the strange object, there was no sign. In the inner office of the British Venusian Society, a slim, neat young man walked swiftly over to a large modern desk and addressed the person sitting behind it. Venus, a man called Steed, has arrived. Does he look prosperous? Extremely. Show him in, Crawford. Show him in. A few minutes later... This way, Mr. Steed. Oh, thank you. Steed followed the young man and stopped at the desk. He found himself looking at a stunning young woman in her late twenties. She was blonde but far from dumb. She was engrossed in a mass of documents, adding up columns of figures with the concentration of a high-powered business executive. She looked up and said briskly, I'm Venus Brown, Brown with an E. John Steed, with two E's. I'm the company's secretary. Find a comfortable seat. I've found one. Steed perched himself on the edge of her desk. I gather, Mr. Steed, that you wish to... Apply for membership. Yes, I'm afraid we're a very small select group. Oh, good, I do abhor overcrowding. With stringent rules. Which I shall observe unfailingly. And a very high subscription. The sky's the limit, to coin a phrase. We are not composed of elderly eccentrics, Mr. Steed. Steed eyed Miss Brown's slim 
figure. I can see that. We choose our membership with great care. Indeed. To begin with, you're a keen astronomer. Dedicated. I cut my teeth on the telescope. Your occupation? Oh, uh, well, I follow in my father's footsteps. He spent his life depositing money. I spend mine withdrawing it. An enviable pastime. I think perhaps... Uh, you're we'll... familiar with our activities, Steve. Uh, firstly, we oppose the present space program. I didn't know we had one. But we shall have. We shall. We don't want our efforts to be squandered on the moon. Our target is the planet Venus. There's evidence it could support life. We believe it does support life. For years, we've detected radio signals. From Venus? From that direction. Our members are on nightly watch for any signs of life. There's the duty roster. Hmm. Lord Mansford, Sir Frederick Hadley, Bertram Smith, Major Whitehead. Have they spotted anything of late? Flashes of white. Look at this model of Venus, Mr. Steed. Do you see the planet is shrouded in cloud? Distorted, mysterious, remote. Behind those clouds... Are beings, Mr. Steed. Uh, friendly ones, I hope. Come closer. Who can say? Do you like what you see, Mr. Steed? Oh, very much. Keep your oh. mind on your work, Steed. Uh, is it uh, going to be very expensive for me? Perhaps. Launching any sort of private exploration always is. We can't hope to compete with the major powers. Our aim is a small satellite. We'll still need the know-how. We have it. I was trained at Jodrell Bank. Mr. Crawford here is a radio astronomer, and uh, we've a host of others. Venus is extremely persuasive. Good. I mean, good for you. We've acquired the backing of the Cuthbert Foundation. But we shall still have to lean heavily on our members. Oh, splendid. I have very broad shoulders. Uh, want a check now? We'll gladly accept a contribution after your election, Mr. Steed. First, you must have an eye test. Eye test? One false sighting would discredit the society. But look here, I, I took a first at Bisley. Yeah, make no exceptions, Mr. Steed. I suggest you visit our Dr. Primble at once. Well, if you say so, Miss Brown. It, it is Miss Brown, isn't it? Yes, Miss Brown. Oh, well, in that case, uh, yes, yes, to your Dr. Primble at once. <laughs> Steed was enjoying his first visit to the offices of the British Venusian Society, Mrs. Peel was having a far less pleasant day. She was walking over the fields, looking for traces of the strange flying object that had nearly wrecked her car. The burning scarecrow had long since burned itself out. A group of farm buildings had now taken her interest. Was it just sunlight that appeared to be reflected back from the windows? Mrs. Peel approached a large barn. Anyone in here? A sudden glare of sunlight shot into her eyes. Ouch! Ooh. Oh, an old cracked mirror nailed to the oak beam. Just uh, bales of straw, nothing but straw. That noise yet again. What the devil is it? it it's all around me. It's coming. It's coming from above? Outside? Oh, it, it can't. Burning. Something's burning. The straw, the bales, they're, they're alight. Fire! 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 Mrs. Peel made for the nearest window to raise the alarm, and there, moving down the field away from her, was the same strange space object. Better leave it alone this time, Mrs. Peel. You've got trouble enough. 
Steed, in his car, tried to raise Mrs. Peel on her car radio. After some time... Steed? Ah, Mrs. Peel, about time. Where have you been? Chasing an unidentified object. Unidentified object? Well, that's vernacular, isn't it? A ball of bright light? A thing? Uh, from outer space? Uh, from out of barn, actually. Look, you're not trapping me into any sort of opinion about it. It was just... Well, very, very strange, and like like nothing I've ever seen before. Hmm. What have you been up to? Ah, well, that'll be telling. Uh, I've been with Venus. Hmm? Venus Brown, with an E. She's the company secretary. She's one of these uh, unique-type Venuses. She's got arms, amongst other things. Is that a fact? What else? Oh, lots. I'm um, working on it. Well, I'll give you another fact, Steve. Our gentleman sweep is dead. Same format. Even the soot turned white. I see. Well, Bert Smith's name was one of the five names on the duty roster at the British Venusian Society. Three of the five are now dead. The other two are Lord Mansford and a Major Whitehead. You'd better get on to him before somebody else does. Try Mansford first. And um, what are you going to be doing, might I ask? Oh, me? Well, I, um, I can't do anything until I've had my eyes tested. Oh, all right. Be good. Oh, I'll be good. Good at what, though? That's the point, isn't it? Avengers. Listen every evening, Monday to Friday, to John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers. Brought to you by the makers of Cold Water Omen. The Avengers. Donald Monat as John Steed and Diane Appleby as Emma Peel is adapted and directed by Dennis Falbig and produced by David Gooden. Now, from the makers of Coldwater Omo, Venus Brown rose languidly from behind her desk and, walking to the mirror, rearranged her hair. It was blonde and fell to her shoulders. She admired it, as she admired practically everything else about herself. Crawford watched impatiently. I think we are not being careful enough. I can't agree. One has to take a certain amount of chance in life. We need more money. You're... You're quite taken with this man, John Steed, aren't you? He is agreeable and rich. I still think we should have him very carefully screened. And if he finds out we're checking on him, becomes annoyed and withdraws his support. Oh, that's all right with me. We did well enough without him. At least I did. <laughs> well, my dear Crawford, I do believe you are jealous. Silly boy. But I suppose it's only to be expected. All right. Check on Steed if you must. But keep me informed. No matter what happens, I can handle him. Just watch me. The Avengers. John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers.
episode three of this story, in which Emma Peel gets absolutely nowhere, but John Steed passes all tests with flying colors and gets a membership card from Venus with love. John Steed had very much enjoyed his visit to the British Venusian Society. The main reason for his enjoyment were the undoubted charms of the secretary, Venus Brown. Miss Brown was a dish, and Steed privately thought that if he could keep Mrs. Peel on the outside investigations, the inside work should be as agreeable as any he'd had for a long time. It was because he insisted on becoming a full member of the society that Venus had recommended he had his eyes tested. It seemed that all would-be astronomers were subjected to this. Steed didn't mind. He dropped in at Dr. Henry Primble's surgery later that morning, tapping gently on the frosted glass panel with the tip of his umbrella. No reply. Steed tried the door, which was unlocked, and entered. The surgery was filled with a conglomeration of bizarre equipment, including examination chairs, an operating table, plus an array of tall test cards on wheels. Steed stepped forward, but an urgent voice stopped him. No, 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 stay where you are, don't move. Steed halted. He looked to the left, to the right, up at the ceiling, and then eventually down on the floor. A head appeared from behind the ophthalmic chair, a large dome head. The gentleman in question was wearing a binocular loop, the lenses like elongated antennae. Steed thought he looked like something from outer space, another unidentified object. But he risked the question, Dr. Primble, I presume? Uh, you presume right. Uh, kindly do not move your feet. Uh, what do we seem to have lost? Uh, contact lens down here somewhere. Ah, would, that, would that be it? Steed extended the tip of his umbrella and pointed to a position about an inch away from Primble's rather large nose. Ah, ah, yes, yes, that's it. Oh, oh much obliged to you, sir. Ah, yes, that's better. Uh, now, my glasses, I had them somewhere. Steed reached out and withdrew Primble's glasses from his white coat pocket and handed them to him. Ah, yes, again, oh, much obliged to you, Mr... Um, uh, Steed. Steed, Steed. I've oh, never heard of any Steeds in the business. Uh, I'm not in the business. Ah, I see. A patient. Have you an appointment? No. Uh, then I can't see you. Never see anyone without an appointment. Well, can I make one? Certainly, certainly you can. Uh, when? Steed looked at the wall calendar. It said Friday the 13th. And then at his watch. It said a quarter to 12. How about uh, Friday the 13th at um, 11.45? Yes, yeah, suits me nicely, Mr. Steed. Take a seat. Mrs. Peel, determined not to spend another day chasing things that looked as though they came from outer space, made for Lord Mansford's residence. Lord Mansford was issuing orders to his man, Jennings. I shall not wish to be disturbed, Jennings. Very good, sir. I intend spending the rest of the morning with my art treasures. An agreeable way of spending an hour. You will receive everything behind me. Of course, sir. Yes. Thank you, Dick. Thank you. Lord Mansford, a heavily built man in his early sixties, smoothed down his red hair, brushed the mutton-chop-style moustache back 
with a freckled hand and made for a large vault. Uh, set the release for one o'clock. If you let me out at one, understand? One o'clock, sir. Lunch at a quarter past. I shall set the alarms. So when Mrs. Peel arrived, she was told... I am very sorry, Mrs. Peel. Afraid you've just missed Lord Mansford. Oh, too bad. When will he be back? Oh, he isn't out. Oh, but I thought you said... He's in. Very much in. He's in his vault, you see. Through that vault door, it leads to another wing. He's perusing his art treasures. In a vault? Security. There's a time lock. No one gets in, and he can't get out until the clock strikes one. Oh, not just about an hour. If madame would care to wait. I was in the process of mixing an ice-cold, non-alcoholic punch. You'd be very welcome. Then, perhaps, luncheon with Lord Mansford. That sounds extremely civilized. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Steed, over to you. I'm putting my feet up for an hour. I sincerely hope you're not doing the same. But he was. In Primble's surgery. Eat up a little higher, please, Mr. Steed. Is it really necessary to lie prone in order to have one's eyes tested? Ah, uh, better lighting. Now, read the test card from the top. Identify all the hats from the top, please. Uh, Trilby, Homburg, Bowler, Jockey Cap, Pork Pie, Topper, Bolter, Busby, Fed. Oh, bravo. Excellent. Well, that's what I told Miss Brown. May I get up? Right into the chair, please. Feet up. <sighs> Thank heavens I don't wear glasses. Now, let's see. Primble shot out a foot. The ophthalmic chair tilted back with a jerk. Primble peered down into Steed's face, directing the pen torch towards Steed's eyes. Yes, now, let's see. Uh, mm, yes, yes. Mm, mm. So, you hope to join us, Mr. Steed. Can't wait. Uh, look up to the left. Yes. Now, the right. I can actually cross them, if that'll help. No, no, no. Have you seen Miss Brown's new book, Venus, Our Sister Planet? Got a copy on order. Uh, it's become the handbook for the society. <laughs> Though, to be honest, I, I find it a trifle disturbing. Oh, in what way? Well, if there is life on Venus, it's not the life as we know it is. Um, at a rough guess, no. Uh, it's hot up there, you know. Very hot. It's quite hot down here at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's too hot for humans. Of course, life can exist in many forms. Solid liquid or gas. I plump for gas myself, yes. Fiery gas. Interesting. Yes. Oh, well, Mr. Steed, your eyes are perfect. Well, I knew they were. Ah, welcome to the fold. Oh, and here's a copy of Miss Brown's little book. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very yes. much. There on the cover is her impression of a Venusian. Oh, how very extraordinary. Steed gazed at the photographic cover of the book and then drew from his pocket several bromide prints. How strange. They're almost identical. Good gracious. Mr. Steed, where, where did you get these? Taken with an astro camera last night. Good gracious. Oh, this could be catastrophic. Why? What's oh, the matter? I warned them. I warned Venus and Crawford. I warned them all. Warned them? What about? Oh, this satellite to Venus... If you plan to invade a strange world, they might follow suit and, and invade us. Looking at these photographs, perhaps they already have.
The News Inn Society. Venus Brown speaking. Uh, Dr. Primble here. Hello, Venus. I, I phoned to tell you that John Steed is perfectly okay. Thank you, Doctor. There you are, Crawford. I knew he was okay. His eyesight might be. There was obviously nothing wrong with the way he was looking at you. Uh, I, I gave him a copy of your book. But he already has photographs taken with an astro camera. Shots of the planet Venus. But where did he get them from? Uh, I don't know. Said they were taken last night. I thought you should know. Yes. Yes, thank you, Doctor. We'll be in touch. Goodbye. What is it now? More interference? I don't know. But perhaps you could be right about Steed after all. Mrs. Peel, relaxing at Lord Mansford's home, sipped her cold punch with great appreciation. Hmm. Splendid punch, Jenkins. Thank you, ma'am. I'm glad it is to your liking. Lord Mansford will not be long. It's nearly one o'clock. The vault is fully automatic and infallible. Mrs. Peel placed the glass down on a table near the vault wall. She was surprised to see that the small glass swizzle stick was tinkling against the rim. The tinkling grew louder, and then Mrs. Peel became aware of another sound coming from within the vault. Jenkins also heard the noise. He looked at the clock on the vault door. A couple of minutes to go. Inside the vault, Lord Mansford clapped his hands over his ears. The whole house seemed filled with the screaming sound. Then everything happened at once. There was a blinding flash. The vault clock rang and the door slid open. Jenkins and Mrs. Peel rushed into the vault. Uh, this way, Mrs. Peel. There he must be. There he is. In the corner. That can't be Lord Mansford. He, he's changed. But it was Lord Mansford. His face was rigid, lifeless. His hair and mutton-chop moustache vividly white. <laughs> The Avengers. Now, from the makers of Coldwater Omo. Inside his vault, where Lord Mansford had been spending an hour looking at his art treasures, the space sounds began. The roar increased. Lord Mansford clapped his hands over his ears. The whole house seemed filled with the screaming sound. Then everything happened at once. There was a blinding flash. <laughs> The vault clock rang and the door slid open. Jenkins and Mrs. Peel rushed into the vault. Uh, this way, Mrs. Peel. There he must be. There he is. In the corner. That can't be Lord Mansford. He, he's changed. But it was Lord Mansford. His face was rigid, lifeless. His hair and mutton-chop moustache vividly white. The Avengers. John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers.
Episode 4 of this story, in which John Steed and Emma Peel become aware that the British Venusian Society is in need of money, and that all contributions are gratefully received... ...from Venus with love. Emma Peel was completely confused by the activities of the British Venusian Society. Acting upon instructions from John Steed, she'd been trying to get in touch with outside members of the Society. They were usually rich, influential members. And by the time Mrs. Peel got to them, they were usually dead. John Steed, on the other hand, was having a far less strenuous time and should have known exactly what was going on. He didn't. Although he'd so far passed all the membership tests and met a few of the members, including the eccentric Dr. Primble. But the two heads of the organization still seemed to be Crawford, a radio astronomer who made it clear that he didn't like Steed, and Venus Brown, the society's secretary, who made it clear that she did. At least Steed thought that was the impression he was getting. One thing was sure, Venus was living up to her name. Is that drink to your taste, Mr. Steed? Delectable. A little more ice? Oh, it's so hot today. I mix the drink myself, though only I know the ingredients. What do you think is in it? It um, couldn't be a love potion. Well, there is passion fruit in it. Oh, splendid. Well, let's get down to things. Already, before it's had a chance to work. Down to business. Dr. Primble says you've uh, passed all the tests. That's right. All reactions normal and ready to go. He also says that you have special shots of films taken with an astro camera, which will be of interest to our society. Huh? Oh, I don't know. Just amateur fumbling at the moment. You're not good at it. Amateur fumbling? Well, I suppose uh, I am amateur, you know. British Venusian Society, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Is it possible to speak to Mr. John Steed, please? Very well. Hold on. For you, Mr. Steed. A woman. Ah, well, they dog my footsteps, you know. It's a passion fruit. Mm. Hello? Steed? Ah, Aphrodite. When did you get back? Steed, what are you talking about? Can you meet me straight away? Charmed. Lord Mansford's house. It's happened again, Steed. Again? Yes. No time for more. Hurry up. Goodbye. Bye. A Greek girl, I know. Just popped out of the sea. Insist that we meet. Oh, excuse me, won't you? Hi, Miss Brown, or may I call you Venus? Bye for now. In Lord Mansford's home, Mrs. Peel stood with Jenkins the butler in front of the open vault. They were looking at some photographic prints when Steed joined them. Uh, tragedy, a dreadful tragedy. How could it have happened? Photos of the scene of the crime? Yes. Strangely enough, yes. Lord Mansford kept all his art treasures in there. There was this door which sealed the place off. Yeah, when the young lady arrived, Lord Mansford was having a quiet hour with his collection. The timing device on the door was set to let him out at exactly one o'clock. One o'clock came, and zoom, the usual story. We got in to find him dead. These prints... Is taken by an automatic security camera set inside the vault door. Mm-hmm. Looks familiar. Mm. Like a... Like a fireball against a dark background. Like the shots from Sir Frederick Hadley's camera and the cover of Venus Brown's book. Let's have a closer look. Steed walked into the vault and examined the gaping hole in the vault wall. Six inches of solid steel. Now, what the devil could have cut through that? Something did. 
something more powerful than we can guess. The New Zealands? I've seen so many strange sights like this in the last few days. Who knows? After all, we've got to the moon. Something's bound to arrive here one day. Has anything leaked out? Not a word. Complete security block. And that duty rotor? There's still one man left alive. Brigadier Whitehead. Whitehead? You're asking for trouble with a name like that. Did you get in touch with him? Tried. His phone must be permanently off the hook. Brigadier Whitehead's phone was off the hook. The brigadier was working. That meant he was living in the past, or rather, reliving past glories. Working on his memoir. It's not writing a book. Compiling a soundtrack. Ah, uh, yes, that's about the volume I want. Now, where was I? Yes, microphone on. That's it. <clears throat> As you can hear, gentlemen, zero hour is fast approaching. Invasion is imminent. We must counterattack without delay. You had your operational orders. You, Major Collins, will lead the 1st Battalion. You, Captain Smith, will follow through with the 2nd. And you, Lieutenant, will command the support company. Brigadier Whitehead drew himself up to his full height and clicked his heels into the nearest microphone. That's all, gentlemen, and good luck. The Brigadier whipped smartly over to a bank of turntables, selected one, and started it under his next speech. As my officers departed, I drove up to the front. Shells were exploding all round. Now, let me see. Where did I put that damn record of the shells? Ah, oh, yes, here we are. The inferno broke out. And suddenly, all the guns were silent. There was just the grey sky and the mud. Not a sound. Bring it up. Brigadier Whitehead. At last. Come in. I'm so sorry to disturb you, Brigadier. I did ring the doorbell. There seems to be quite a bit of noise going on. Uh, yes, quite. Oh, by the looks of the place, I'm intruding. But your phone is off the hook. I know. It was taken off the hook. Oh, I see. You're uh, still on your memoirs. How's it coming on? Oh, very well, very well. Uh, I've new equipment. Hope to cut a long player on the invasion of Italy. Now, I got to the point where we just landed at Catania. <laughs> yes, it was at this point that a messenger drove up. Let me show you. Now, just hold this pickup and put it on when I tell you. Now. I tore open the dispatch. <clears throat> News. Bad. I'd lost my battalion commander. I had to reach Ogle. I grabbed the messenger's bike and raced towards headquarters. Suddenly, under the wheels, a grenade exploded. Drop the pickup. Now. No. I jumped for cover. This? No, 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 no. Wrong effect. Cut. Oh. Better take a break. Care for a drink, Venus? I'd uh, rather have a generous contribution to the Society's funds. Another contribution? Well, if we're to launch our satellite... You've yes. already had 20,000. That wouldn't even pay the fuel bill. Yeah, it would pay a few of mine. Mm, listen, Brigadier, I'm only a woman. No, 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 none of that. Before I dig any deeper, I'd like a peep at the accounts. Accounts? Treasurer's report. Hadley and Mansford are of the same mind... We'd like to see where the money is going. Where do you think it's going? Oh, 
You are touchy. Well, if that's the way you're thinking, I'd better leave. No, 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 no need to be like that. And, uh, look, I can't make watch duty tonight. I'm working on the Battle of Palermo. You know, I, I almost bought it there and had the luck of the devil. Well, I hope it stays with you. Second time round. Goodbye. Steed decided to call on Brigadier Whitehead himself. About time you did a bit of outside work, Steed. He drove up to the house and parked his car conveniently near the trees. As he moved towards the house, he noticed Venus Brown disappearing along the wooded drive, her long legs briskly carrying her shapely figure out of view round the bend. There was a burst of machine gun fire. Steve dropped into the nearest bushes. I pulled out the pin of the grenade and hurled it into the dugout. Steve picked himself out of the bushes. The enemy was still advancing, and then... Then, suddenly, a reverberating sound was heard. Had Mrs. Peel been there, she would surely have recognized it. Light dazzled Steed's eyes. Steed instinctively placed an arm over his eyes. There was a muffled roar. And a scream from the brigadier. Ah! Sounds as though his luck didn't last a second time round after all. Monday to Friday, to John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers. Brought to you by the makers of Coldwater Omo. Now, from the makers of Coldwater Omo... John Steed watched Venus Brown disappearing along the wooded drive in front of Brigadier Whitehead's house. He got out of his car. And there was a sudden burst of machine gun fire. Steed dived for the shrubbery. The enemy was still advancing. And the... Steed picked himself up and advanced towards the house. There was a sudden familiar roar growing in intensity. A light flashed in Steed's eyes. He placed an arm protectively over his face. The sound grew. And then... The Avengers. John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers.
episode five of this story, in which John Steed and Emma Peel become even more deeply involved in activities from outer space and wonder how much of this strange phenomenon comes from Venus with love. John Steed had decided to take a more active part in affairs since becoming a member of the British Venusian Society. Whether this was because he felt Mrs. Peel's activities had been too feeble to prevent more sudden deaths, he didn't say. If he had such thoughts, he was wise enough to keep them to himself. Mrs. Peel suggested that he sought out Brigadier Whitehead, the last person on their possible murder list himself. Steed did so, and arrived, it seemed, like Mrs. Peel was wont to do, a trifle too late. Steed stared at the house. All was now quiet. He made his way through the shrubbery. He was nearly at the French windows that led into Whitehead's study when he stopped, froze in his tracks. A car was coming up the driveway. Had Venus Brown returned? shouldn't think so. The sound of that engine was vaguely familiar. So are those footsteps. Hello there, Mrs. Peel. Oh! Oh, Steve, you gave me quite a fright. Nothing to what you would have had if you'd been here a few minutes ago. Oh? Brigadier Whitehead? Was making a devil of a lot of noise. Sounded as though he was playing war games. It culminated in a horrible scream. He is now strangely quiet. Even deathly quiet. Come on, this way. A few moments later, they were both standing over the brigadier's body. Everything on this patch of carpet has been bleached white. Look, Steve, even the gramophone record he must have been holding. Hmm. Gramophone records, tape machines. This is what he must have been doing. There were all the sound effects I heard coming from this window. Steve, look, that tape recorder over there in the corner. That seems to have escaped all the trouble. It's, it's still turning. Yes, so it is. Steve walked over and switched it off. It stopped. He pressed the rewind button. It whirled at a fast speed. He then pressed the forward play button and the playback button. The enemy was And then... And if we knew what that looked like, we might know the answer. Some while after this, Steed and Mrs. Peel made their way back to the British Venusian Society's offices. This was all new to Mrs. Peel. She accepted Steed's briefing before entering the building. You know what you have to do, Mrs. Peel? Mm-hmm. Play the tapes over to Venus Brown and any other interested member and watch their reaction. If there appears to be any suspicious signs, stick close to Venus and not let her out of my sight. Yes, I think that's what I would do. Yes, I bet you would. Well, I, I can't go in there. They know me now. Mm, only too well. well. Where will you be, Steve? I'm going back to that eccentric Dr. Primble. He's the only one I know who might be able, inadvertently, to throw more light on this. I wish you wouldn't use phrases like throwing more light. I've had more than enough. I'll ring you, Steve. Goodbye. Mrs. Peel, as good as her word, managed to get an appointment to see Venus Brown and played her the tape. When it was over, and merciful silence reigned, Venus Brown said, Where did you get this, Rob, Mrs. Peel? I work for a newspaper. It was brought to my editor by a close associate. Why on earth were you asked to take an interest? Oh, 
They put me on all sorts of crazy interviews. I was also handed these photographs. It was suggested by our science correspondent that Earth was being invaded. Invaded? Hmm, by creatures from the planet Venus of all places. Hmm. Photographs can be faked, you know. Oh, I know. You're an expert in the field. I beg your pardon. Oh, not a faking photograph. I'm sure you've never had any need. Thank you. I meant an expert in the planet Venus. You're the secretary here, after all. Tell me, what's your view? Well, they are interesting, of course, very interesting. But I wouldn't like to hazard a guess without a second opinion. I'll call our Mr. Crawford. He's our expert in radio astronomy. That uh, tape is far more in his line. Excuse me. Venus Brown stretched out an elegant hand with long, silvered nails and picked up a white telephone. Find Crawford for me and ask him to ring me immediately, please. Phew. So hot in here. Do you mind if we have the window open? Without waiting for a reply, Venus moved to the window, opened it, and drew apart the lace curtains. She turned and slipped off the jacket of her suit, hanging it with studied carelessness over the shoulders of a Venus de Milo model that stood on a plinth in the bay of the window. The telephone rang. Hello? Venus? Crawford, do you want me? Yes. I have a lady reporter here. She has a most interesting tape recording. I want you to hear it. I can't get away right now. Things to do. And try to listen to it over the phone. Do you mind, Mrs. Peel? No, not at all. Mrs. Peel started the tape recording from the beginning. Venus held the earpiece of the phone near the speaker and waited. Eventually... I can't tell over the phone. I'll get over to you as soon as I can. Oh, very tiresome. All right. He says he can't... The window. The curtains are aflame. And look at my Venus. The curtains indeed were aflame, and the model of the Venus de Milo was shattered into pieces. The lovely jacket had disintegrated. Mrs. Peel flew to the window, bounded through, and stared out from the smouldering balcony. In the distance, beyond a tall avenue of poplar trees, was the glistening reflection of some sort of vehicle travelling at speed. Missed it again, Mrs. Peel. Steed had found Primple in his surgery and explained a few of the difficulties. You'll say five of our members, Steed? Hadley, Cosgrove, Mansford? Smith and Brigadier Whitehead. And according to the message just received from the Society's officers, an attack upon Miss Brown. You, uh, you've seen the bodies of these men? Hmm. Appears they died of shock. Hair and clothes bleached white by some intense light. Ah, then I was right. The Venusians are here. Well, nothing's been reported from any of the country's defences. Radar control has picked nothing up. But if, as I've expounded, these beings are composed of gas, then they'd never be detected. They could travel through our atmosphere in a completely different way. They could travel with the speed of light itself. Using some kind of extraterrestrial vehicle? An unidentified object? Possibly. Yes, well, thank you for your opinions, Dr. Primble. I must go now. See, I'm on duty at Cosgrove Observatory tonight, and uh, with things heating up like this, well, I just don't want to miss a thing. Bye. In Cosgrove's observatory, sometime later, the phone rang. Yes, Mrs. Peel? Your confidence in my ability to phone is touching. Of course. I'm all set up here. Any luck with the tape? No, not yet. We're expecting Crawford. He's certainly taking his time. 
But don't worry, I shan't let Venus out of my sight. Mm, I've got her on my lens here, too. I'll bet you have. Just don't be sitting in that chair. They say lightning never strikes twice in the same place, but I wouldn't back on that. I'm not. Um, I've got a friend to help me. He must be mad. Well, he's not. He's a bit of a stuffed shirt, though, aren't you, old chap? How very rude of you. Not really. He can't hear very well. Uh, stay with it, Mrs. Peel. I've always been with it, Steed. Goodbye. Bye. Steed replaced the receiver and moved to the telescope. Be watchful, alert, and don't just sit there like a dummy. Steed pushed the head of the figure until its right eye was under the lens. It was a tailor's dummy, but in the half-light it looked rather like Steed. Not got my panache, though. Steed picked up a cold drink and retired behind some rather large filing cabinets. He didn't have long to wait. After a few minutes, reaching out for his drink, he dropped it as the heat from the glass blistered his fingers. What the devil heated that up? Steve crouched behind the cabinet, clutched his ears and closed his eyes tightly as the sound and the brightness that flooded the observatory reached its peak. After the explosion, the darkness descended again, and there was silence. Steed crawled out of hiding and rushed forward. The tailor's dummy in the swivel chair drooped over. Its face was a distorted mass of melted wax, all snowy white. It slowly collapsed onto the floor. The door burst open. Steed! Steed! Did you see that? Dr. Primble stood in the doorway. See what, Dr. Primble? That flash of light. It came from down below. I saw it. It came from the cemetery. They've arrived, Steed. The Venusians, they've arrived. They've landed. They're here. They've taken over the cemetery. You've got trouble, Steed. Dead or alive, you've still got them. Avengers. Listen every evening, Monday to Friday, to John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers. Brought to you by the makers of Coldwater Omo. Now, from the makers of Coldwater Omo... John Steed crouched behind the cabinet in Cosgrove's observatory as the sound and the brightness reached its peak. After the explosion, the darkness descended again and there was silence. Steed crawled out of hiding and rushed forward. The tailor's dummy in the swivel chair drooped over. Its face was a distorted mass of melted wax, all snowy white. It slowly collapsed onto the floor. The door burst open. Steed! Steed, did you see what I saw? Dr. Primble stood in the doorway. See what, Dr. Primble? That flash of light. It came from below. It came from the cemetery. They've arrived, Steed. The Vatusians have arrived. They've landed. They've taken over the cemetery. Come on! 
The Avengers. John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers. Episode 6, the final episode in this story in which John Steed and Emma Peel clear up the mystery of an invasion from outer space and take their farewells from Venus with love. Practically all prominent members of the British Venusian Society had suffered an attack upon their lives. Most of the attacks had been successful and ended in hurried death. The latest one had failed. Just as well, thought Steed, for it was clear that the intention was to have reduced him to the sickly, white-haired mess that now flopped on the observatory floor. Then, Dr. Primble had burst in with the news that there were odd things going on in the cemetery below. The Venusians had made an invasion. Oh, well, only one way to find out. Uh, better move carefully, Steed. I can't see why. The place is as quiet as a graveyard. There was a flashing light over the far side. I'll take this path. You go round the other way. We could surprise them. Well, nothing they could do would surprise me. All right, let's see what's on the far side. When Steed got to the far side, there was no sign of Primble. Or anyone else, for that matter. Hmm. Primble seems so sure of himself. Uh-oh. Here it comes again. Steve didn't wait. He dropped flat behind a large ornamental headstone. The sound built up, terminating with a blinding flash and an explosive sound. Missed. The head of the commemorative statue on the tomb toppled over and fell almost into Steed's lap. Well, sooner you than me. The light disappeared. Silence reigned. Steed waited. And then... Time I got out of here. But he who ducks and runs away can come back later. Steed did, with Professor Horace Clark, a ministry expert. Professor Clark was tiny, brisk and efficient, and had arrived in a station wagon packed with equipment. He knelt with a trowel. Earth is still warm. Yes, it was even warmer a short while back. I should know. I was lying at the back of the headstone. This earth been carbonized. Well, I was almost singed myself, eh? Yeah? It's most odd, Steed. Most odd. Why, well, you'd need a temperature of at least 2,000 degrees to do this. <sighs> Wasn't the flamethrower. Nothing volatile. All I saw was a white light. Just a flash of white light. Yeah. A flash of white light, eh? Yes. Seemed to be attracted to the gravestones. Many of them have suffered, as you can see. What about Dr. Pimble? He seems to be badly shocked. Yeah. He was found on the other side of the cemetery. He had a lucky escape, too, it seems. Swears he saw some kind of spacecraft. The light was mirrored in some way. Mirrored, eh? 
Oh, well, I've got all the sample I need. Only one thing now. I'd like to hear that tape you've got. The tape of the sound the light makes. Oh, I've got a copy in my car. This way. In the offices of the British Venusian Society, Mrs. Peel was true to her word. She wasn't letting Venus Brown out of her sight. I just don't know how long it'll be before Mr. Crawford gets here, Mrs. Peel. Oh, that's all right. I can wait. I must say, you lady reporters are persistent people. We have to be. Only way to get a story. Ah, Crawford. About time. What held you up? Ministry called. Primble's been attacked. He said it was by Venusians that they'd landed and attacked him. Attacked? Yes, Steed too. It'll interest you to know that Steed is from the authorities. What? Are you sure? Yes, so is this lady. Mrs. Peel. She's no reporter. She's Steed's partner. Oh, dear. Mrs. Peel made a quick step to the door. Crawford blocked the way. Not just yet, Mrs. Peel. I don't believe in this invasion any more than you do. Or the Venusians? That's a different matter. Come now, do any of us know what's up there? On Venus or Mars or any of the planets? Discoveries always start as a guessing game. We may be right, we may be wrong. If you don't explore, you don't find out. But we shall one day. Our funds are going fast. Your membership is dwindling rapidly. Now, if you'll excuse no. me. I came here to hear the tape you brought. Play it to me. I will. All you do is press this button. The enemy will still advance. And then... Well, Mr. Crawford, recognize it? I certainly do, Mrs. Peel. I certainly do. While Crawford and Venus Brown were listening to Emma Peel's tape, John Steed was playing his copy to Professor Horace Clark. The enemy was still advancing. Any ideas? Oh, but of course. It's the sound of light amplification of stimulated emission of radiation. In words of two syllables. In words of two syllables, a laser beam. Yes, of course. For the bleaching effect in boiled liquid. Plus a very distinctive sound. Mm, now, where are they used? Ah, but of course. Got it. Bright boy, Steed. Back in the British Venusian offices, Mrs. Peel was getting warm, too. You see? Sound of a laser beam, Mr. Crawford. No doubt about it. Where are they used? All over the place. In dentistry, communications, eye surgery. Eye surgery? Got it! Mrs. Peel made a dash for the door. It took Crawford and Venus totally by surprise. It was one of the quickest getaways Emma Peel had ever made. But she didn't try to escape. She headed for her car and made good time to the home and surgery of Dr. Primble. She made a forced entry through the garage and was doing quite well up the back stairs when... Oh, no, you don't... <laughs> Mrs. Peel found herself grasped in two extremely strong arms. There was only one thing for it. If at first you don't succeed... Stay where you are, madam. Then don't move, unless you wish to have your head blown off. With an ordinary pistol? How unimaginative, Dr. Crimble. Martin, who is this woman? <clears throat> one we nearly got up at the farm. Friend of Siege, Mrs. Peel. I see. And what are you doing here, Mrs. Peel? I didn't come for an eye test, that I promise you. Does Steed know you're here? I 
call that a leading question, wouldn't you? Never mind, I shall find out. Martin, take this gun. Bring the lady into my surgery. Uh. This way, if you please. And a short while after that, Mrs. Peel found herself tied rather too securely to one of the sight-testing panels in Primble's surgery. She looked around with interest, particularly at a large, portable piece of electronic equipment on a nearby table. The front section had a gun-like muzzle. It was pointing straight at her. Yes, Mrs. Peel, a laser, but a somewhat advanced model. I'm sure you'd like to see it in action. But first, where is Steed? How much does he know? He's in the book. Why not ring him up and ask him? Martin, we've been hoping for a guinea pig. I think we've found one. Yes, do. The beam upon her. That's it. Very good. Not from where I'm sitting. Splendid. A sense of humor. You know, mine vanished when the Cuthbert Foundation began to divert its funds from medical research to the Society's space project. <laughs> yes, I couldn't beat them, so I joined them. And now, now, I've almost destroyed them. Using the Venusians as an alibi? An original one, you will admit. That's about all I'll admit. This model is remarkably accurate. It can drill holes in diamonds and cut through steel plates like butter. As for human tissue, <laughs> well, let's experiment. Or do you feel more cooperative? I feel positively stubborn. Your last chance, Mrs. Peel. You've seen what it does to people. Indeed. Oh, well, it's quicker than a peroxide rinse. You will see. I switch it on. Can't have that now, Mrs. Peel, the natural brunette. Martin, see the gun! Naughty. Stay still, Steed. The later, Steed. Swing it round. Right. Umbrellas are useful, you know. Dr. Primble ended up under the remains of his invention. After all the confusion had died down, Mrs. Peel, free at last, said... Pity about that laser beam. Primble could have made a fortune. The communications business? Mm, the laundry business. Think of all those spotless white shirts. Oh, to play havoc with my yellow-spotted pajamas. Mm -hmm. Will you join me for dinner this evening, Mrs. Peel? Pleasure, Steve. I'm sending the bill to the British Venusian Society. When they get the bill, they're really going to see stars. Avengers. Listen every evening, Monday to Friday, to John Steed and Emma Peel, The Avengers. Brought to you by the makers of Coldwater Omo. Good evening, and come back again next week. This has been Bill Holwig, 
from West Texas for Broken Sea Audio Productions. www.brokensea.com Good evening. Good evening. The music for tonight's episode was composed by Brian of Seraphic Panopoly and Stevie Farnaby. 